I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Go Gamecocks podcast presented by the State Newspaper. I am your host, Craig Hadley, and I am joined by Ben Briner, where we're finally discussing an actual game that's happening this week, South Carolina football versus Tennessee this Saturday, 7.30 p.m. at williams Bryce Stadium, kicking off on SEC Network, I believe. That's what Will Muschamp said today. He He said it twice. He said it twice. He was very excited, and I think we are, too, to finally get back out there. One of us will be at williams Bryce Stadium. The other one will be sitting on the couch along with the rest of the world, trying to see what happens. On an unfortunate delay, too, because of his uh, TV choices. Not to plug anything, but I actually like YouTube TV. But that's not the point. (laughs) It seems like it is. Maybe a little. Maybe a little. Anyway. Hey, YouTube TV. Give us some sponsorship, maybe, please? Maybe. Focusing up a little bit. Since we last talked, the last time we talked, we we went really in-depth on the QB battle that was happening with South Carolina football at the time. Uh, the graduate transfer Colin Hill versus incumbent starter and sophomore Ryan Holinsky. Since then, they have announced Colin Hill won that battle. He will start at QB. The coaching staff has actually been pretty emphatic that he will stay at QB, that they will not be rotating people in and out. Ben, when you look at this QB battle, what do you think allowed Colin Hill to take this one home? And what do you think his ceiling is for South Carolina football this season? Well, I think that we kind of discussed a little bit of it beforehand, but basically he's got a really good arm and he knows the offense extremely well and he can run the offense extremely well. And if you have those things, that probably will win you a lot of QB battles. I mean, maybe we can argue that in some spots, Ryan Linsky might be a better passer, but uh, you know, some of the people who've gone to practice have basically said, eh, Colin Hill's pretty darn good. So... You know, you have the experience factor and the physical talent, and the only thing, there just aren't that many things that Helinski can beat, it seems like, can beat Hill on at this point. So, it's Hill's job in terms of ceiling? I don't know. I mean, he described himself as a get-the-ball-to-the-playmakers type guy, and, you know, that's a it's a pretty good way to run offense. Uh, South Carolina might be a little short on playmakers this year, so that'll bear some watching, but... I mean, apparently he throws a pretty nice ball. If he can, you know, lace a couple deep shots, this could get interesting. And of course, when there's a QB battle like this with a highly touted prospect like Ryan Helinski, I think, you know, there there's interest in this season, but there is also, you know, the year after that and the year after that. And I think pretty immediately people were wondering, well, how is Ryan Helinski going to respond to this? 
is it a possibility that he might transfer because he is now he'll now after this year presuming he red shirts have three seasons left uh he's a he's young talent got a big arm and it seems like he you know could at least contend maybe elsewhere but if he stays here he'll have to compete with the likes of of Luke Doty and perhaps uh the incoming 2022 five-star Gunnar Stockton what do you think Ben I think that's kind of a weird speculative area I mean we we haven't gotten through this season we don't know that Colin Hill is healthy we don't know that Colin Hill after five years of college won't just say I got a pretty good arm maybe I'll try my shot in the NFL I mean Kyle Markway did that so a lot of pieces to fall a lot of pieces to move would I be surprised if Ryan Linsky transfers at some point? No, because he's a quarterback, and quarterbacks transfer all the time. I believe he might have transferred in high school. If not, he was at a different middle school than it was attached to his high school. Quarterbacks move around. It happens. But in the short term, I don't think there's much movement that's going to happen because, again, you you don't know what's going to happen to Colin Hill. You don't know what's going to happen to this year. And, you know, because the NCAA is giving this year back anyway, even if he— you know, even if he just hangs around, he could transfer, sit out the next year, and then have three to play. So, you know, he still has options. He hasn't left yet. So, and with this weird schedule, leaving this year seems like kind of a tricky spot. So, I mean, who's to say long-term? You know, at this time last year, well, relatively this time last year compared to the opener, we thought that Jake Bentley was going to play out a senior season and Ryan Linsky was going to redshirt. And now here we are, Ryan Holinsky has started a season and been beaten out by another player. So a lot of steps, a lot of possibilities. Yeah, things rarely fall out as you expect them to or perfectly when you're mapping out the recruiting path. Yep, I wrote a whole article about how it's very silly that people say, well, they'll just bridge it up to Gunnar Stockton or eventually, um, you know, Luke Doty will take over or whatever. Just they're going to get the best quarterbacks they can. They're going to make them compete with one another. Whoever is best that year is going to probably going to hold on to the job, and they'll go from there. Something you mentioned about Colin Hill earlier about uh, he had a quote during his weekly press conference talking about how he's the kind of guy that, that gets the ball to the playmakers. He was saying that in the context of he's not a super dual threat guy. He's not going to be taking off and running a lot of the times. But when you talk about playmakers, as you mentioned, South Carolina is a little thin there. They lost freshman running back Marshawn Lloyd to a torn ACL. And then on Tuesday, Coach Will Muschamp announced that a transfer wide receiver, Jalen Brooks, had been denied an NCAA waiver to be made immediately eligible. First off, Ben, what are the implications uh, of this, just given that Jalen Brooks was coming from a Division II school, Wingate, but he was a guy that had gotten a lot of, of hype and attention throughout preseason camp? Well, I mean, you could make a case he might be a top four playmaker on this roster when healthy. You know, I mean, between Marshawn Lloyd, Nick Muse, Shai Smith, and him, that realistically probably could have been your four best guys with the ball in their hands, and you've now lost two of them. Well, Jalen Brooks is sort of in limbo. In theory, he could still get eligible, but, you know, he hasn't yet. So it's a blow because you're talking about a guy who would have started, and now everyone moves up. You're, you've got Dakarian Joyner, who has one game as a wide receiver as one of your starters. I mean, there's a lot resting on a lot of question mark guys. And, you know, if you want to go with two tight ends instead of three receivers, well, your other starting tight end is Kevian Mullins, who was a wide receiver last year who never played. So, I mean, you're talking about a lot of questions. and It's it's a blow because 
you don't have that many guys that you think you can trust. And he was a guy that they thought they could trust. And it's kind of weird. I'll be interested to see what kind of fallout there is about why he didn't get the waiver. I wouldn't be totally surprised if it was kind of a case of him leaving the Carolinas and then trying to come back and point out he was coming back because, you know, that part seemed a little bit weird to me that he had just transferred and then transferred back and then said, well, he's coming close to home. And it's like, Wingate's probably also pretty close to home. I don't 100% remember where that is, but I think it's somewhere in North Carolina. You mentioned Shai Smith obviously being the the top option for South Carolina at wide receiver, Nick Muse at tight end. But behind them, they've got Joyner, like you mentioned, a converted quarterback. And you've got Xavier Leggett, who's a, a rising sophomore that they've attached a lot of promise to. Now he's pretty clearly the number two, but I think he has something in the range of eight career receptions after last season. I think it's nine, but I mean, he was a freshman. And, and and he's got talent. I think he's got physical talent, skill, and ability. He's just got to turn that into being a good wide receiver. And last year he was not at the stage of particularly good wide receiver. He was fine. He was there. But he wasn't a guy that could carry an offense. And it'll be interesting to see what kind of development he's sort of pushed. I mean, you get Joe Cox in, who I think is a really good developer. So I will be interested to see kind of where he falls and how his skill set kind of settles in. I mean, Joe Cox got, I think, a three-star guy out of Miami last year who turned into a really nice playmaker for Colorado State as a true freshman. So we'll have to see kind of what magic he can work with uh, sort of this skill group. He's certainly going to be tossed into the deep end a little bit there, uh, asked to play a lot of snaps and hopefully make some plays. Behind him, you mentioned to carry on Joyner as a guy that might be starting at that number three wide receiver spot. In addition to him, they, they've also talked about a couple of freshmen making an impact in Rico Powers Jr. and Jakari Caldwell, and then another maybe converted quarterback in Luke Doty. Which one of those do, uh, guys do you think could be, you know, the number three solid option throughout the season? And, I mean, what about a guy like Josh Van, who came in as a four-star recruit but has thus far maybe underwhelmed a little bit? Where is he? You know, he seems to be kind of buried in this depth chart, uh, even as a junior. In terms of who can kind of emerge the most, I'd probably say Rico Powers. I think he's got sort of a nice mix of power, explosiveness. I think he's got a lot of good raw tools. And, you know, last year was kind of his first not being sort of a slot back in an option system. And he had nice numbers in the high school level, but nothing particularly mind-blowing, but he was on a good team. He was in a good offense. So I think there's some potential there with him. Josh Fan's kind of a mystery. I mean, he was really, really good as a junior in high school and pretty good as a, as a senior. And I mean, I want to say I looked up and he was like one of the 50 highest rated recruits in South Carolina history. And he's just not been consistent. He's not, you know, he's not caught the ball well. And when he has caught the ball, he'll flash moments of, you know, taking a slant, like, you know, a nice 15, 20 yards, but that's pretty inconsistent. I want to say his yards per catch last year was something ghastly, like in the under eight range, maybe under seven. So he hasn't delivered up to this point. Now, I think he still somewhere possesses the ability and we'll see if, you know, being outside the depth chart maybe puts a spur in his backside. But for the moment, uh, you know, he's really out of that mix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. 
This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey there. Like what you hear? Good news. You can help ensure the state continues making journalism you love to read, watch, and listen to. If you're more into sports than news, you'd probably like our Sports Pass membership, which gives you access to unlimited sports coverage for just $30 for the first year. Subscribe to Sports Pass at thestate.com slash sportspass. You can also read more Gamecocks news by downloading the Go Gamecocks app or by signing up for our newsletter at thestate.com slash newsletters. Thanks for supporting local journalism. Now, back to today's episode. To focus more on the immediate future, we got Tennessee coming up this Saturday. And that's going to be an interesting matchup because uh, as I was looking at ESPN's football power index, uh, they actually gave, I think, South Carolina the slight edge in terms of something like a 53% chance to win that game. But Tennessee is, according to the latest AP poll, I think number 15 in the country. That's a team that has gotten a lot of off-season hype. They ended last season on a streak of of six consecutive wins, and, you know, that's a program that has a lot of history. Taking all of that into account, it's kind of hard to gauge where they are, especially because, you know, they haven't played yet. Where do you fall on the spectrum of, do you believe this is a game that, you know, South Carolina has a very good shot in, or do you buy more into the Tennessee hype? I think South Carolina has a good shot to win this game. And by good, I mean in the 50% range. I mean, it's still a toss-up. That's still kind of hard to quantify. But, you know, Tennessee at one point was down 44 guys in the preseason, and I don't necessarily think that Tennessee is... I I don't know if they're quite where the hype puts them in some ways. I think they made the jump back to being, like, a pretty solid team. And so, you know, if South Carolina is where it hopes to be, they can contend with a pretty solid team. I don't think they're going to be contending for the SEC East or anything like that. They might think that, but, you know... It sort of feels like last year was the exciting year because you overachieved, and then you're gonna they're gonna finish maybe in the seven to nine win range again, and everyone will say what happened. Now that doesn't mean they won't beat South Carolina because South Carolina obviously has sort of its own set of issues. It's also trying to figure it out. Tennessee's defense, at least, projects to be quite good. They should have a good offensive line. They should have a good running game. And I think a lot of it's just going to come down to who's more on the ball after this super weird offseason, because South Carolina hasn't been particularly on the ball the past two openers, and it cost them last year, and probably didn't cost them against Coastal Carolina two years ago, but they certainly didn't look crisp in the way that you'd probably want to see for a team coming out for its first action. You mentioned the opener against North Carolina last year. That, in retrospect, kind of you know, set the tone for the entire season where it was a game that, you know, winning it wouldn't have guaranteed a successful season, but losing it definitely set them down the wrong path, it seemed like. Uh, Obviously, the injury to Jake Bentley played a part in that, but also just going up against a tough schedule, they didn't have a lot of room for error. Now you go forward to this season, there's even less room for error now that they've got a full 10-game schedule in the SEC. In that sense, I guess it depends on how you define a successful season, but but would you consider this another another must-win opener and just in that, you know, a loss could set them down the wrong path again? I absolutely would, because, not because it would set them down the wrong path, but because 
you know, you only get so many chances to have those kind of decidedly winnable games. And if you've got that, you got to win them. Like, you know, college football is weird because every single win changes the feel of a team. Like the difference between a 22 and 21 win college basketball team, a little negligible. Obviously, it's a little different in the tournament. But, you know, the difference of feeling between an eight-win season and a nine-win season is tremendous. And in this case, if South Carolina go five and five versus four and five, four and six, that's going to mean a lot. And to get to four wins or five wins, Tennessee isn't must win, but it's really, really helpful. And it was sort of a little bit that way that last year with North Carolina, where they were kind of behind the eight ball because they just didn't have that many winnable games going forward. And they kind of pulled a little out of that tailspin against Georgia, but then let go of the rope. But for this year, you know, you're talking about kind of a, a split between the four easier games and the top five hardest games and Tennessee being very much a swing game in there. So if, if they can turn that Tennessee game, that, that changes things tremendously because you can bank that first win and then know at worst you're coming out of the first half of the season two and three as compared to potentially one and four. You mentioned Tennessee's defense is potentially being a real troublemaking aspect for South Carolina. What matchups are you most looking forward to? I know last year when Tennessee and South Carolina met, it was really you know, Tennessee's senior wide receivers, Juwan Jennings and Marquez Callaway, that really kind of torched the South Carolina secondary. Now they're gone, but what are the matchups that you think will define this year's matchup? Well, the Volunteers only return one of their top four pass catchers from last year. And as you said, those top two pass catchers were ridiculously good. So a lot of what I think is going to be sort of the key with this Vols team is that offensive line and that group of running backs. Eric Gray is supremely talented. Ty Chandler's been around for a while. He's experienced. And, you know, you've got a Saban guy in Jeremy Pruitt. They tend to like to go with downhill running. Offensive coordinator Jim Chaney is kind of a master of sort of pro-style offenses with that downhill element. So I think a lot of it's going to be, can the Gamecocks control that running game? And then the follow-up is if Jarek Garantano, you know, if they can keep him from going supernova last year, they did not do that. Jarek Garantano played very well, you know, right after getting benched, and it, you know, really hurt South Carolina. So I think controlling that running game first and foremost is going to be the key. And then not letting, if there's an overemphasis on the run game, not letting that turn into Jarek Garantano having an advantage. Uh, I think that's going to be kind of your key to sort of pulling off any kind of win, and those are really the matchups I'm, I'm kind of looking at. It'll be an interesting test for this Gamecocks front four, which is a, a layer of kind of veterans and then a bunch of blue chippers, and, you know, they're going to get tested against a pretty good group. We are so close to the end of talking season. We feel like we've just been... No! We've just been going back and forth, you know, discussing the QB battle, discussing wide receivers and running backs and all of that. My question for you is, what are you most looking forward to having answered in this first game? Obviously, we can't draw any huge conclusions from this, but we'll finally actually be able to see some answers to these questions that we've been asking all season, all offseason long. Is this offense ready for prime time? That's kind of it. I mean, you think about it, and all offseason we've talked about this offense. It now has a new quarterback who's supposed to know it very well. Obviously, the playmakers 
you know, we have questions about, and they're going up against a defense that, at least, you know, based on some of the numbers, should be very good. So it's going to be a big test, and it's going to be kind of a question of, is this offense ready to make some hay in an SEC game? Because they don't have a lot of they don't have a lot of games to figure it out. They don't have a lot of opportunities to say, well, they got us today, but we'll figure it out going down the line. That's just not really a thing they have. So I think that's going to be the primary thing I'm looking for. Is this offense on better, stable ground? Uh, it might not bear out long term, but is it good at least in the short term to start? And I guess I'll also be interested in some parts of the defense just because they've got young guys who we think are talented and we think are in position to step up. But, you know, we've had situations where we've thought that before and guys have just been sort of there. So I'll be looking for, does the offense work? And are there a few more younger explosive playmakers who kind of step up and make their presence known, catch a little bit extra attention? Not that everyone has to be JC Horn or anything, but you know, we watch one game of J.C. Horn and we all kind of say, oh, that guy's a dude right there. And South Carolina's got a set of potential dudes elsewhere in that defense, and it's time to see if they're ready to, to step up and get to work. You know, I really thought your biggest question for this weekend was going to be, what was the press box food situation in the era of COVID? They've already said that it's a box lunch. I am an adult. I have eaten box lunches before. As long as there's food somewhere, I'm I'm fine with it. We know this. You get to be in the stadium, so I don't think you get to complain at all. I mean, listen, you get to be here and order a pizza or have, you know, get some nice takeout. That sounds pretty good. This is really what people want to hear. Listen, it's they call it inside baseball for a reason. Not because we're covering baseball, because that's definitely not what we're talking about. But, you know, the other stuff. Well, uh, somehow, some way we've made it. We are just a few days away from the start of South Carolina's football season, and we will have more coverage for you throughout the coming weeks. So thanks for listening, and please be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.